ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय This festival got off to a Hare Krishna. This festival got off to a very good start with ecstatic kirtan. Thank you Divya Prabandha Prabhu for chanting the Divya Prabandha, the essence of the Divya Prabandha here in Sri Rangam. Divya Prabandha is very famous. The Tamil Veda as it's called. So the essence of the Tamil Veda is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Divya Prabhanda is uh, in Tamil or Mani Prabhala, Sanskrit mixed with Tamil. Glorification of the Lord and his devotees. Sri Rangam is a very special place as I hope you are all experiencing. And the residents of Sri Rangam are very special people. <coughs> you are also special people. Uh, we may request all the devotees. We don't expect any untoward incidents, but we should keep it in mind that the residents of Sri Rangam have very high regard for Srila Prabhupada's ISKCON. For instance, this Kalyana Mandapam, or marriage hall, do we need these lights on? I don't think so. Why waste energy? Do you need it? Okay. This row is needed for the video videography. Uh, yeah, this marriage hall is only let out to brahmanas and to ISKCON, not to others. So, that's a very great compliment to Srila Prabhupada, that people from the traditional Vaishnava background have such high regard for ISKCON members. So let us remember that and act in such a way that that impression may be reinforced and not diminished. So having come to this extraordinarily special holy place, there's so many pastimes of the Lord and His devotees here, we shall remember the Lord who has appeared here, or He came here. He didn't appear here, but He came here 
supposed to be going to Sri Lanka, but he decided to stop here, and he's been here ever since. If you want to know all the stories, is on the way to Sri Lanka means with Vibhishana. So that's going back to Treta Yoga. So if you want to know all the stories, at least in brief, I don't, there's no time to tell them now, and probably if we had a life as long as Lord Brahma, there wouldn't be time to tell it anyway, either. But uh, if you want to get a summary of those stories, they're available in one short essay in this book of uh, On Pilgrimage in Holy India. One of the holy places featured therein is Sri Rangam. So, uh, having come here, we'll meditate on the Lord and his devotees. One principle of the Sri Vaishnav Sampradaya or Ramanuja Sampradaya. Among themselves, they call themselves Vaishnava, Vaishnava Sampradaya. At that time, there was, when Ramanuja was preaching, there was no other Vaishnava Sampradaya prominent in the world. Shri, we may, may say Sri Sampradaya because the origin is Lakshmi. She's the uh, founder or the original founder of this Sampradaya, Sri. Now so many ladies are coming in who... Oh, you're giving Telugu... Tra Telugu translation is going on downstairs, huh? Oh, you have deliberately moved here? Okay, all right. Uh, <coughs> so uh, one prominent feature of the Sri Sampradaya is uh, very high regard for the devotees. Not just for the Lord, but for the devotees also. They know the value of devotees. And this is a place of uh, all the Alvas, or the, the great devotees who glorified the deity forms of the Lord in the Divya Deshams or the holy places connected with the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya. They, in various places, various alvas, they glorified the Lord with their prayers, which are now known as the Divya Prabandha. But Sri Rangam is the only place where all eleven alvas have all composed prayers in glorification of Sri Ranganatha Swami, the presiding deity here. So it is a place of all the alabas and particularly of Ramanujacharya, who is the... Oh, now, if you want to know about <laughs> Ranganatha Swami, you can have a full story. Anyway, this is a place of of the Lord and of our Acharyas. So it is the most suitable place for worship. Hmm.
having come to this place, we should remember the Lord and His pastimes and those of the devotees and pray for their mercy. We are all very tiny living beings. This is an existential fact. One that conditioned souls, they are conditioned to forget this and think, I am a very important person. But as much as we remember that we are very small and Bhagavan and his devotees are very great, that much we are devotees. This is a very powerful place of bhakti. <clears throat> I was saying all the residents here, they're very special people. And uh, you may be surprised if you see within the houses of the Vaishnavas here, they may be keeping pictures of Sai Baba, unfortunately, or other very poor imitations of Sri Ranganatha Swami. So this is unfortunate. But still they're very special people, even though due to lack of proper preaching, they've made such a gross mistake. But still their attachment is there for Sri Ramanujacharya, for Sri Ranganatha Swami. And actually, you see, we're all coming here for a short time, but if we were to spend more time, then we could go to all the... And if we had someone who knew all these, all the different details, and it's like Vrindavan, at every step you could spend 10,000 years describing all the pastimes. There are so many sannadhis or, or shrines all around the main temple. So it is a place of history as we perceive it from our particular perspective or, or particular location in time and space. We consider the activities of the Lord and His devotees to be historical. But of course the activities of the Lord and his devotees are as Sri Rama Yamuna Acharya says Ulangita Trividhasima they're beyond the the three limitations of time, space and thought so anyway if we had time we could go around and hear about all the wonderful pastimes and someone we hope at some point we'll compile books describing all these things. There, there's so many books to be written, so much research to do in so many areas. 
this should be a, an aim of the uh, members of Srila Prabhupada's movement. Srila Prabhupada, as the Acharya, wrote so many books and preached verbally their import. So a task for the followers of Srila Prabhupada is to write unlimited books on the unlimited topics. Namanya Nantasya Yashonkitani Yachchinvanti Gayanti Grinanti Sadhava Unlimited books on the unlimited glories of the unlimited Supreme Lord and replace all the completely useless literature which is pumped out in the world and propagated in the world. This whole hall should be filled with books in various ways describing the Supreme Lord in all different languages. Srila Prabhupada said that all the Vedic literature, especially the Vaishnava literature, should be translated and distributed, translated in all the languages of the world and distributed widely. So, prominently we distribute Srila Prabhupada's books. But the kirtan should go on in the form of singing, speaking, writing the glories of the Lord to replace the glorification of persons who are not worthy of glorification. They should not be glorified. We should know who to glorify, how to glorify. <clears throat> so the Vaishnavas here are special people, no doubt. And, as I was saying, they're very appreciative of ISKCON and ISKCON devotees. Uh, we find generally in India where ISKCON has been preaching, actually preaching, that many people are appreciative. Here especially, maybe more than in other places, the local people are very appreciative. So in these uh, holy places, if we were to regularly perform kirtan, you'll find that's appreciated more, just like recently we were in Nathdwara last year, at this time we were in Udupi. So in these traditional holy places, the, the local people, they, they appreciate. They're all Vaishnavas. And they appreciate this glorification of Krishna. So chanting of the names of Krishna is always powerful in the holy places. That is uh, even more appreciated in general by the residents. So if we were to go on doing that, then on a regular basis, then the effect will be tremendous. These people, they have uh, such feeling for 
their culture, their Vaishnava culture, if they regularly see the Vaishnavas chanting the names of Krishna, then that Cheto Darpana Marjanam, that will jog them to take up their own culture more seriously. Or it may happen that they'll gravitate towards this Kirtan culture. Actually their own culture is Kirtan culture also. But that is more uh, pronounced in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya. So uh, we see that all over the world the chanting of Hare Krishna inspires people to chant Hare Krishna and more so in India because people are more pious here in general and uh, more so in the holy places where people are more pious. They're inclined toward Krishna Bhakti already. Uh, they're not just inclined but they're engaging in that to some extent or other. So if we regularly perform kirtan in these holy places, that certainly that will have a tremendous effect on these people who are already very special to be born in families where the culture and tradition, going back to the time of Ramanujacharya in many cases, their family tradition goes back so long. Their, their family tradition is to worship Krishna. Bhakti, but they've somewhat forgotten it. But that can be revived very easily. They're not as deeply in Maya as the average person in the West or even in other parts of India. Who is that? Bharat was saying to me this from India, having gone to Australia, he can appreciate what Srila Prabhupada did more going to the West because spreading Krishna consciousness widely might be considered glorious in India. But to do so in the West, for those who have been to the West and who have some insight into how far away the people are from Krishna, then Srila Prabhupada's gift is appreciated more. In India, people may take up Krishna consciousness fairly easily. Just like uh, there was some system worked out for preaching in colleges from I think it's Conchopate or Pune or somewhere like this. So, where you show the defects of modern material civilization, the defects of modern scientific thought, and then you say, okay, that's all wrong. Now, Bhagavad Gita. And people say, okay. And take it up. So they thought, okay, let's try this summer. They, they tried to do this in Russia. So they showed the defects of in the colleges. So in the, the defects of modern civilization. Okay, we agree. Defects of modern science. Okay, seems to be right. So next thing, Bhagavad Gita. Why? 
What's the logical? Actually, there is not in and of itself. There's no logical step between the two. But people in India, if they they have enough piety that they can say, okay, that the materialistic paradigm which we've been brought up with, that's got a lot of problems. Okay, let's try the spiritual paradigm which you're presenting from Bhagavad Gita. It's something they can immediately relate to. But in the West, it's like. Bhagavad Gita, what's that, you know? And it, they have no idea or inclination. So, uh, my good fortune has been to come from those, or one of those countries far away from Krishna and come to this land which is going far away from Krishna as fast as it can, but not very good at it. Indians are trying to be very materialistic, but then they're not very good. Maybe the, uh, the Indian people, when they first saw Westerners, Srila Prabhupada brought, and many of them were doubtful that these people, they cannot be sadhus. What is this? They can't pronounce any Sanskrit, and they... they they eat with their left hand, and I mean, the disciples that Srila Prabhupada first brought from the West were pretty kacha, you could say, to use a Hindi term, pretty, uh, how do you say that, inexperienced or not, not much trained, because how much could Prabhupada do with them in a short time? So they didn't seem to be really very much like sadhus. So many of the people doubted, uh, are these people real sadhus? Uh, I mean, even an ordinary person doesn't eat with their left hand, so what to speak of a sadhu? They're supposed to be more sat, more proper. So in the same way, when we come from the West to India and we see the people trying to do disco music and talk in a, talk in a cool accent, etc., etc., it's just a poor imitation. Indians had better stick to chanting Hare Krishna. They're, they're good at that. I was told, I heard this, that Srila Prabhupada was once delayed on a flight, with a domestic flight within India. In those days, there was only one airline, Indian Airlines. So Srila Prabhupada said that Indians are not meant for all this technological advancement. They're meant for chanting Hare Krishna and going back to Godhead. So, uh, I'm very fortunate to be able to reside in this holy land which is doing its best to be unholy, but still the holy places. Notwithstanding various unholy things that do go on within the holy places, still we're very fortunate to be able to visit these places and bow down our heads at the lotus feet or before the lotus feet of the Lord. He's got very big feet here, so we can have a nice darshan.
as a big form. You can see his glorious feet and feet of the great devotees. Of course, some may say, hey, wait a minute, that's not why we came here. You're trying to pretend, trying to divert the attention. This is uh, Vyasa Puja Mahotsav with uh, myself in the center, supposedly. So am I trying to, in a uh, roundabout way, pretend that that's not going on? Well, that is going on. And in this holy place, uh, especially in any place, but in this holy place, I should remember who I am and who are the acharyas who have come before me. What is my position? in relation to them. So, obviously it's very insignificant. At least it should be obvious, but sometimes people get carried away by emotion or sentiment or some such thing. So, I'll state it clearly, lest there be any misunderstanding in this regard that uh, well we're talking about the Acharyas in a general way but our founder Acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness is of course His Divine Grace Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swamikopad who has introduced us to all the Acharyas and is the embodiment of all the Acharyas and all they came to give he has given us. He is the Vyasa of the modern age. This is Vyasa Puja festival. Actually tomorrow, but all the things to be said uh, will take up more than the time allotted for tomorrow. So I'm starting the Vyasa Puja lecture today. So Srila Prabhupada, uh, he gave us so many books in that regard. He's uh, Vyasa, Vyasa Avatar, performing the same function as Vyasa, which is to present the Vedic literature for the benefit of the fallen souls. Anartho Pashamang Sakshad Bhakti Yoga Madhokshaje Lokasya janato vidvans chakrit satvata sanghitam. The material miseries of the living beings can be mitigated, they can get relief by the process of bhakti yoga, transcendental to the transcendental Lord. But people don't know this. Therefore, he who does know it, who is learned, Vyasati compiled the Srimad Bhagavatam for their benefit. So Srila Prabhupada did the same thing. He made that available with his realized commentaries. So 
Therefore, Abhyasa Puja means to worship the representative of Abhyasa. Yeah, and that point I was making, it should be obvious, but just in case anyone doesn't understand that or is in some uh, illusion about this, uh, there is a great difference between myself and Srila Prabhupada. I'm accepting glorification, or will be tomorrow. I, actually, I do every day. I, people bow down, seeing sannyasi. Where's my danda, actually? Bring the danda. Yeah, I, I use that for uh, special occasions. Please go get the danda. So, uh, yeah, there's all the disciples of Srila Prabhupada with possibly the exception of Siddha Swarupa Ananda and his followers recognized that there was a great difference between Prabhupada and everyone else. It was, everyone recognized that. Even there were great leaders who were understood to be special devotees within our movement, but everyone understood that Prabhupada is far above all of his disciples. So, we were apprehensive of Srila Prabhupada leaving, the, because we couldn't imagine how this movement would go on without his personal presence. His personal presence, his personality was uh, more powerful than that of all his disciples put together. They were all depending on him. So, uh, even though you're all gathered here to glorify myself, um, the gap between yourselves and myself is... It's not like the gap between myself and Srila Prabhupada. There's a difference. And in fact, many of you are performing thank you, service in many ways more than I am doing. So... I can encourage you to go on doing that and expand it also. Srila Prabhupada is the founder Acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, and we're all servants within that. So as a matter of formality or duty, uh, at least as a matter of formality or duty, it is the uh, it is required for some devotees in each generation to accept the role of instructing others and initiating them, training them, guiding them. But still we're all servants within Srila Prabhupada's movement. Mm. 
So you've come to glorify me, but that glorification should be understood, at least I, I should understand that this is actually glorification of Srila Prabhupada and that my only qualification is to guide you in the same way that Srila Prabhupada guided us or, in, or following in the same spirit and to guide you in your service to Srila Prabhupada and his mission. So someone may question then, well, you see Srila Prabhupada was worshipped, this Vyasa Puja festival was organized for Srila Prabhupada. And is it appropriate that such worship be accorded to uh, the same worship that was accorded to the Mahabhagavat, Srila Prabhupada, should that be accorded to a devotee who's clearly on a lesser level, whose achievements and level of realization are far less than those of Srila Prabhupada. So again, that apparent incongruity can be resolved if we understand the principle that if the servant is glorified, then the master is glorified. In other words, if you see anything in me worth, worth glorifying, then you should understand that my position is Jogata Bichare Kichunahipai Tomara Koranasha. That whatever there may be good in me, and I can't deny there is good because if I was tonight to deny there's anything good in me, then I, that would be to insult the process of devotional service because uh, even neglectfully, I am engaged in that by the mercy of Srila Prabhupada. So we can't say that uh, the process of devotional service is useless. So if, we, if you see anything worth glorifying in me, you should understand that that is the mercy of Srila Prabhupada, that he picked up myself and so many others You've all, you're all coming here, mostly you are my disciples, so you have that particular link with myself, but there are so many uh, gurus within ISKCON, and actually we should see all devotees as our gurus. And this glorification which you're specifically offering to myself, uh, that is fit to offer to someone in the modern age specifically, well, it's fit to offer to someone who is following an ideal master, which means in the modern age, Srila Prabhupada. Devotee may be glorified for following 
the ideal master. So that may seem to be, well, that's, that's not much, is it? It doesn't seem like very much just to follow some instructions. But of course, in the modern age, uh, for anyone to follow the path of Vaishnavism, when the whole ethos of the materialistic society around us militates against us, is someone who, despite the plethora of uh, Udipak, this uh, inspire, what's the word for that? It's, uh, stimuli for uh, forgetting Krishna, for enjoying the senses, but who despite all of these is fixed in the resolve to serve Krishna. And that in itself, in Kali Yoga, in the modern age, is glorious. So we are grateful to the gurus who have given us that which is guru, that which is significant, which is Krishna and service to Krishna. If this glorification is conducted on any other basis, or if the person being glorified considers that glorification to be on any other basis or considers himself personally fit for accepting that worship, that means he's not guru, he's lagu, he's insignificant. So there's no use to glorify an insignificant person. That is the whole ethos of the material world. People are glorifying insignificant people. Just like recently, during the past year, this, uh, even in India, we got the news that Michael Jackson had died. Actually, he was dead at the moment he was born, because if one doesn't serve Krishna, then it's, there's no meaning, there's no life. It's just a flapping dead body, as Srila Prabhupada described it. So such a big fuss. Time to time, some famous person dies, and there's big fuss in the TV and the newspapers. Princess Diana died. Such a big fuss. But these are all insignificant people. They have no actual significance. Any more than that is ascribed to them by similarly foolish people. So if a pack of fools glorify another fool, that doesn't make the glorified fool any less foolish. It just underlines his foolishness. So this Vyasa Puja should not be a festival of foolishness, of empty 
words, but should be very grave. Maybe that word grave in English comes from Gaurav, or the, or the, in Sanskrit, Gaurav, which, uh, again is linked to Guru, I believe. It's, uh, that which is glorious, that which is actually glorious, because it's significant. Everything in this material world is insignificant. Last time I was talking, last night I was talking about how the Mayavadis, they call this world false. It's not false, but the conception of it being the place for our enjoyment, that is a false conception. That is the falsity. The world is real. But the conception that I am here to enjoy separately from Krishna, that is false. Just like this whole show business, it's, we're talking about Michael Jackson, it's just some light entertainment. There's nothing... Of course, uh, fortunately, I never heard, at least as far as I know, I never heard any of Michael Jackson's songs in my life. But uh, I guess I don't have to, to understand the insignificance of them. It's, it's nothing of any actual value. This, uh, the, so many songs, and they, they're glorifying... Or, maybe in some cases, vilifying insignificant people. Either stuti or ninda, glorification or vilification. If not in connection with Krishna, then it's completely useless from beginning to end. So we are gathered here not for a light festival. People come together, they sing, they dance, they eat nice food, they smile at each other, say, hello, how are you? So we'll be doing the same thing. It's already started. But our center is Krishna. Our our basis is Brahma Satyam, reality, not the falseness of this material world. So uh, this Vyasa Puja Mahotsav is organized with myself as the object of glorification, but the, actually the, the channel of glorification, because the, the glorification should go up to Krishna, through myself. If it stops here, if I accept it, then I become like Sai Baba or something like that. Then I go to hell and you go to hell. So it's not like that. The, the, everyone except Krishna if they at all accept glorification, then that has to be as a channel. Channeling, that word is popular in the Western countries. We won't talk about that. Anyway, 
Srila uh, Prabhupada in one letter wrote about how seems to be in, in response to something that one of his disciples wrote. Actually, the disciple's name was Hansa Dutta. So, uh, Hansa, of course, means swan. So, Prabhupada was writing in, apparently in response to a letter that Hansa Dutta had written to, written to Srila Prabhupada that, that how previously you could not even read or write, but now you are traveling throughout the world, glorifying Krishna. So, Srila Prabhupada acknowledged that, or he, he quoted, it seems that Hansa Dutta had written like this, that you have turned a crow into a dancing peacock. So, if there's any glorification of myself going on here, we can understand that that is meant for Srila Prabhupada who turned this crow into... Anyway, the metamorphosis is still going on, but uh, aiming to be a dancing peacock. So, uh, Srila Prabhupada is the life of everyone in Iskon, supposed to be. His books his instructions, his mission. We're all here to serve that, his, the mission of Srila Prabhupada. Uh, you're here to praise me, but we've, we find in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna speaks of Tatamana Pamana Yoho, person who is uh, in equilibrium, whether he's praised or vilified. Vilified, do you all know that word? It means Nindakana, blamed, criticized. Sukeshvanud Vignamana. Dukeshvanadvignamana sukeshu vigatasprihaha vitaraga bhaya krodha stitidhya munirukshita. Is that it, the last one? Anyway, uh, in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna speaks of a person who is not disturbed in distress and doesn't become affected by material desire when, his, when he has the opportunity to indulge in that. In dukkha, in distress, he's not disturbed in mind. And sukeshu, vigata sprihaha. His desires have already gone. Vigata, they've already gone. He doesn't have, doesn't have material desires. So this might be considered suk for myself. How wonderful it must be for me to sit here with all of you praising me. That's considered in material consciousness, that's considered 
something desirable. People like to be famous. They like to be praised. They like to be number one. They'll work so hard. They'll train for, for years to try to become number one Olympic doing something or other stupid. Or Olympic 100 meters running or egg and spoon race or something. How they can become number one. They're very serious about it. Just for that one moment when they can stand on the podium and get the gold medal and click the cameras and then after five minutes the cameramen will all run off somewhere else and everyone will go away and for a few days he'll be famous and number one, glorified the fastest man in the world ran faster than anyone of course any uh, cheetah there's one kind of uh, big cat in Africa who the average speed of an adult cheetah is 70, it's about over 100 kilometers an hour. So, however fast you run, it, it just the average half-baked cheetah is going to be faster than you. Or you have the weightlifting champion. and Gold medal! And just bring any baby elephant, and the baby elephant can pick up the weight and the weightlifter and throw it away. So, in their next life they might become an elephant and then lift up heavy weights. Nowadays the elephants then don't lift up heavy weights, they used to. They, nowadays they have machines to do all that. So the elephants just stand in the temples and give blessings to people. That's all. So, uh, one who is desirous of the happiness of being glorified, this might seem to be a good way to do it. But actually, only one should be glorified who's not interested in that for his own sake, who's in that, who's at that position of sukheshu vigata sprihaha no desire in although there's the opportunity to in, enjoy I can enjoy being glorified by you but if there's no desire if I think how I can uh, encourage you all to better serve the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then for that purpose I should accept glorification. If I think, oh, great, how wonderful, these people are glorifying me, they're self-realized, they've understood the truth. If I think like that, then I'm no better than Sai Baba, and that's pretty bad. That's very bad. Where he allows himself to be glorified as Bhagavan. Of course, we don't say we're Bhagavan. But in one sense, we have even more uh, what's, the, what's the word? Even more dhastra. Uh, even more boldness. Because 
Bhagavan himself says, Mad Bhakta Puja Bhyadika, my devotees should be worshipped more than me. Or worship of my devotees more than worship of me. So, uh, if one is thinking, I am a devotee and I should be glorified, then such a person is totally in the, at the opposite end of the spectrum from an actual devotee. So it's a, it's a, uh, a paradox within Vaishnavism that who is the most exalted thinks themselves the most insignificant. So, so it's a very dangerous position actually. So you might think that well, it's nice to be must be nice to be sitting up there with all people glorifying, listening, taking seriously. But of course it is a very dangerous position because constitutionally Krishna is Guru. He is significant. He is heavy. Constitutionally the jiva is anu. Jiva is insignificant. Or laghu, light. Doesn't have any weight of his own. So it's a very dangerous position for a jiva to accept the position of guru. Because if he actually starts to think that he's has independently any worth, then it's like the uh, story of the the mouse who became a tiger. This punar mushiko bhava. You start by the grace of the yogi, the mouse. Do you want to know that story? I think you want to know that story. The mouse who became a tiger. Then when he looked at the yogi and started to think, hmm, I shall gobble him up. Then the yogi converted him back to a mouse. So if we think that, well, by the mercy of my guru, now I've become in such a position that I can compete with or surpass my guru, then by the mercy of guru one is converted back to a mouse. By his mercy you may become a first a cat, then a dog, then a tiger, and then by his mercy, if one is misusing or misrepresenting that position, then by his mercy, one can be converted back to a mouse. That's also mercy, because if one thinks that now I've become so great, then he's going to cause problems. So better to be a mouse, then you can't cause so many problems. better for yourself. That's why the jivas are in the material world. They're in a place where they can't uh, interfere with the pastimes of the Lord. They can't mess up the mood in Vaikuntha. So it's a very dangerous position accepting the role of a guru. And Maya is such that even though imperceptible, she is constantly 
sending out messages. She is constantly attempting to dislodge those who are attempting to come out of her clutches. Maya has two phases. Yayasa mohito jiva atmanam trigunatmakam her phase in which she is covering all the jivas in the material world. That's called avaranatmika vritti by which everyone is in maya. And then those who try to come out of maya, she has her special prakshepatmika vritti by which she throws them back. You want to come out of maya? You want to come out of my clutches? Okay, one step, two steps, three. Psh, take you and throw you back. She's always ready to throw us back into the material whirlpool. So if we think that we'll take a break from Krishna consciousness, we'll, we'll just take a little holiday, just a few minutes. Maya is ready. Oh, really? Okay. There's no holiday. It's 24 hours. Every moment one has to be connecting with Krishna. Otherwise, we have a different kind of yoga. Yoga, we get, instead of being yoga yukta, yoga yukta bhavarjuna, the O Arjuna, you'll be linked. In yoga, when we become maya yukta, we become linked to maya. So it's a very dangerous position because uh, those who try to come out of maya, maya acts more strongly on them. And just like we find in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, that Duryodhana exhorts his troops to protect Grandfather Bhishma. And during the Kurukshetra war, there were so many battles going on, but the ones which are described in Mahabharata are the major battles. Just like between uh, Bhima and Ashvatthama, there are so many, but the, ma the major battles between the major Fighters, they are described. Duryodhana tells that Bhishma is very powerful, but you all protect him. He calls upon his troops to protect Bhishma because the in the fight, the opposite party, they, they attack everyone, but they are especially concerned to attack the leader of the troops. Because if the leader of the troops is killed, then uh, all the rest of the troops are in a lot of trouble. They don't have a leader and they, they're not nearly as powerful and they get scattered. And we factually find that. That uh, just like at one point after Bhishma fell and Drona was the next leader of the Kaurava forces and he was single-handedly causing havoc in the Pandava army, killing his thousands and thousands of men. 
But then when Drona was killed, then again the uh, Kauravas, they, they, then they, who had been so powerfully uh, ransacking the Pandava forces, they all became totally confused and disturbed and bewildered, and then the Pandavas started slaughtering them. So in the same way, Maya, just like in the fight, uh, in the fight, in, in a physical battle, the uh, various forces, they go for the key positions and the key players. Knowing that if the leaders are uh, killed or injured, then everyone else gets confused and then they're easy to destroy. So we, we see that... Uh, within the short time that Srila Prabhupada left, that, should I say a few or several or many of those in the role of guru, they wobbled and some fell from that position. And as a result, in most cases, their followers also wobbled and fell. So Maya goes for the big guns, especially. She goes for everyone. She's tireless. But she especially goes for those uh, from whom others gain strength and guidance. So it's a very dangerous position to accept the role of guru. It's just like saying, just like one of my godbrothers, who was in the role of guru, let it be known to others that he had conquered over Maya. And guess what happened to him? It's easy to guess. If anyone says, I have conquered over Maya, then uh, you know it's just a matter of time. You can count the days until that gross fall down takes place. So it's a dangerous position and uh, I can execute this function by uh, holding on to the lotus feet of Srila Prabhupada, which is not, of course that may seem like a figurative statement because how can we factually do that, but that means uh, following his instructions with a firm faith that he is the Shito Mahanta Guru Jagatair Madhyuru Krishna Bhakti Dei Tai Tai. This is how Srila Prabhupada described his own Guru. And the, the description is fitting for himself. He is Mahanta Guru. He is, uh, there may be many Gurus, but he is. Uh, very special person of the stature of Srila Prabhupada appears in this world rarely. That's why it's also unreasonable to expect that all those who are executing the function of guru and following Srila Prabhupada, they should be on the same level of realization. It's also not an excuse for those who are executing the function of guru to uh, deliberately act on a lower level. But at the same time, we should understand Srila Prabhupada is Mahanta Guru in the 
real sense of the term. Very great guru. And within this world, he's a very great person who is delivering Krishna consciousness in many places. So it's a, it's a dangerous position. Srila uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur once addressed his disciples as uh, my friends who are delivering me from various dangers. So I may address my disciples and others in the same way that you please uh, help me, save me from the various temptations and pitfalls which are ever-present in this material world, especially if one takes up this role of carrying a danda, which means to practically to challenge maya. To take a sannyas danda practically means to challenge maya. The tree danda, the three sticks, represent offering mind, body and words in the service of Krishna. Which everyone is offering their mind, body and words in the service of maya. So to offer mind, body and words in the service of Krishna is a great challenge to maya. And at the top, you can't see it, but it's covered by a cloth, there's a little axe-like construction which is meant for slashing the wrong philosophies. So it's to take a, to accept sannyas is to challenge Maya. Of course, the Mayavadis accepting Adanda, that's just to confirm they're more in Maya. They're called Mayavadis. Sanyas, what is that? Dandagrahina matrena naro narayana bhavet. They increase their illusion a trillionfold with the idea that simply by taking Sanyas they become God. That's really Maya. But to, to accept sannyas in the Vaishnava Sampradaya means the commitment to serve Krishna with mind, body and words. No more maya. So it's a very great commitment. And in bhakti... The sannyasi is not a lone figure who wanders in the world by himself, especially in the Sankhita movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The sannyasi, uh, he is in the association of devotees. He renounces everything, but not the association of devotees, nor the service of Krishna. So, uh, I have to thank all of you and request and all of, thank all of you for helping me to remain at least in some form or other in the service of Srila Prabhupada and Krishna and to help me remain in that situation, in this 
dangerous material world where we never know what strange tricks Maya has to play. We can never predict what strange tricks Maya has to play as some devotees who have been around me in the last few days that know that Maya has been playing some strange tricks. So by the by the grace of uh, various devotees, I seem to be saved from some particular strange trick of Maya at the present time. But you just don't know what will come next. What kind of unusual circumstances Maya may arrange. So unless we're fixed in service to Krishna, then we may wobble and shake and fall at any time. So being in the association of devotees helps us to uh, remain firm. So I may request that even if I am too wobble. Actually, I'm wobbling all the time, but I'm, by the grace of the devotees, I'm able to uh, remain upright. But if uh, if I am to uh, wobble or shake or become uh, chutta, fallen from the service of achutta, cut off from that, then you don't. You remain firm. I've initiated now uh, a little over 700 disciples of whom about 80 are no longer in contact with devotees or they're just blatantly in maya means not following their initiation vows not following the four regulated principles not chanting 16 rounds of the maha mantra but uh, most of those who went away they just kind of floated away they just they didn't tell me anything. They didn't say, look, I'm getting in Maya. Could you help me? Or just, just floated away. Many, many of them just out of contact. They're not associating with devotees. They just decided at some point, well, had enough of Krishna consciousness for this lifetime. So, uh, one of these 700 or so shamelessly cheated me of money. Another keeps on sending letters threatening me, trying to extract money from me, extort money. Some disciples who we had great hope for, put great trust in, they uh, unfortunately became greatly disappointing 
This happened with Srila Prabhupada actually again and again and again. Some devotees who had put much trust in and made them leaders and by making them leaders he had uh, placed them in a position where other devotees were expected to trust those leaders. But again and it happened to Prabhupada again and again and again that disciples disappointed him. Some of my disciples, as I perceive it, are more interested in using me to fulfill their plans or fulfilling their desires rather than submitting themselves to be uh, directed and guided that uh, people who have a sense gratificatory outlook on life they can be completely shameless they can even accept initiation and a guru with the idea of manipulating the guru to fulfill their plans for sense gratification and practically all these guru cults are going on like that. We're talking about various babas and so many bappas and useless people. So many useless people. It's all, it's all in the name of spiritual life. It's all a, uh, a cover for sense gratification. The guru accepts disciples for his own glorification and he, he gets, uh, in this way he, he thinks he's getting something out of the disciples. And the disciples think that, well, I'll get something from the Guru. I'll get prestige by being, I'll, I'll be known as a spiritual person by having this Guru. And uh, I'll get some blessings. And maybe I, maybe I can uh, bring the Guru to my house and feed him. And then everyone will think I'm a very important person. Or I can have my photograph taken with the Guru and then... I can put it in my, in my room, frame it and put it in my room and then people think, oh, you see, he's very close to the guru. And in this way, the guru is thinking how to exploit the disciple and disciple is thinking how to exploit the guru, all for sense gratification. So such a guru is not a guru and such a disciple is not a disciple, but uh, there may be, even in the name of Krishna consciousness, some people who have some hidden agenda like that. Of course, if one is a very powerful guru, then even such persons, even such persons who come as disciples, he may trick them into serving Krishna. Okay, you want some facility for me, but you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this, you have to do that, and in this way. He engages them in the service of Krishna and they become purified by doing so. But that's very dangerous for one who is not a very highly realized devotee. Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Don't make many disciples. But then again, uh, as Srila Prabhupada notes in the Nectar of Devotion, without increasing the number of disciples then there cannot be effective propagation of Krishna consciousness so 
for one's own sake, one should not accept many disciples. But for the sake of serving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who said, Jare Deko Tare Kaha Krishna Upadesh, Agyai Guru Hayatara Edesh, wherever you go, whoever you meet, instruct them in the science of Krishna, or my order become a guru and deliver this land. So in the service of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the same Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who said not to make many disciples, also says to become a guru and deliver the land. So what if you have to initiate all the people in one land, in one country? So apparently contradictory directions, but uh, that is resolved by the Vaishnava Acharyas who do accept disciples and at the same time tell us that they didn't accept disciples. Bhaktis Dhansasar Thakur said that I never made any disciples. Gorkishot, as Babaji Maharaj told him, not to make, never to go to Calcutta, never, not to make any disciples, and not to associate with materialistic people. So Bhaktisthan Sasratakam made his main mat of preaching outpost in Calcutta. He initiated many disciples and he was always moving among what we would call the higher strata of society, materialistic people. But he explained that I never went to Calcutta. I only stayed in the Gorya Mat, which is not Calcutta. Calcutta is the place of Kali, Kalikata. But I don't live in Calcutta. I live among devotees. And I never made any disciples, because they're all my gurus. They're all teaching me how to serve Krishna. And I never associated with materialistic people, because association means to take something from someone. But I never took anything from these materialistic people. I, I didn't take their association. I didn't take their ideas. So, uh, anyway, I've accepted... 700 disciples. When I had 20 disciples, I thought that's about as many as I could handle. And when it became 50, I thought that's a lot. And when it became 100, I thought that's a lot. And it keeps on increasing. So I request the uh, more senior disciples to uh, oversee and help those who are more junior. That's a natural process, because I'll talk more about that later, Krishna willing. And of course, there are some people who think that the gurus in Iskon they're just in it for the, for the name, fame, glory, and money. But I think those who, uh, those who actually live in close physical proximity to uh, my godbrothers who are accepting this service can understand that it's it's just it's not an easy going life it's uh, it's not a party as they say it's not just you're not enjoying yourself in the, in a material sense I was saying I had 
a little over 700 disciples. Some of them are what we might call zonal disciples. In other words, because I go in certain areas and uh, other initiating gurus within Srila Prabhupada's ISKCON don't go to those areas or go there much less frequently than I do. So because people, they're, they're taking up Krishna consciousness and they want to be initiated, therefore they become my disciple, just because I'm around. But really a disciple means by hearing. And of course it's not that those who are what we might call zonal disciples, they're, they're not hearing. But some may be like that. They just, they like, the you know, just presume, well, you have to have a guru, and well, here's the guru. Didn't see any other gurus. Okay, I'll, I'll become his disciple. But those who are not inclined to hear, can never really understand what Krishna consciousness is. I've elaborated on this point many times. The importance of hearing, which doesn't mean just to sit in a, in a lecture. As Srila Bhaktisthansa Sri Thakur often said that it is required that people undertake the karna bheda sanskar. In Vedic culture, the children, they have their ear pierced so that the, that's one sanskar, that's done in, in a ritual ceremony. So the ear is pierced so that earrings can be uh, attached on the ear lobe. So that, as Bhaktisthan Saraswati Thakur said, the spiritual karna bhed sanskar is that by which the ear hole is open so the transcendental sound can enter into it. That is the real meaning of diksha. The uh, opening of the consciousness to admit the Golokavani, or sounds from the spiritual world. In India there is the tradition of listening to Katha, or it's known that one should listen to a sadhu. And almost predictably that tradition is uh, perverted in many cases into a sense gratificatory process. So even though the topic may be Krishna or Rama who are not at all meant for the sense gratification of the jiva rather the jiva is meant for the sense gratification of Krishna but those who speak catch a hold of is that Mukunda? may fall down from the dangerous age. 
Yeah, those who speak, they speak in a manner that the hearers will be amused. So that kind of speaking and hearing is for the actual process of Krishna consciousness useless. It doesn't affect the change of heart which comes from uh, actual hearing. Actual hearing begins from the platform of Brahma Jignasa. When one is eager to understand that which is spiritual, that which is beyond this material world, that which is sarasat-param, beyond the goodness and badness of this material world, the, the spiritual dimension, well, that which is actually spiritual. So some disciples who come to me, maybe in a zonal way, you could say, then they're not really hearing, but I come, and they like to chant, and they're following the principles, and they want to be initiated. So, those who don't like to hear at all, why should I ever initiate such persons? Well, generally I try to avoid that. That's why I stipulate that those who are taking initiation from me, they should have at least read Bhagavad Gita as it is, Nectar of Devotion and the first two cantos of Bhagavatam. The idea is that they read the first two cantos of Bhagavatam, they should get a taste for doing so and then go on and read the rest. So that's the idea. But of course, not everyone is literate. Not everyone is scholarly. But everyone can chant Hare Krishna. So... Not everyone may be ready to even hear about Krishna, but they may, due to some piety, they may be willing to chant Hare Krishna. But then, all right, but they may not be ready for initiation, may be postulated. Then why should I initiate people who are, they're not really very serious to hear. To hear, if we hear, that should affect a change in one's consciousness. If we see the professional speakers, people come, they hear them, and they, then they go back to their materialistic life. There's no change in their consciousness or their activities, just life goes on. They'll come for a seven-day Bhagavad Kata, and in their hotel room at night they watch the TV, and then when they go home it's, uh, it's full-on, practically 24 hours TV, so many people. And time to time they may go to a Bhagavad Kata. But there, there's no change in their life. No serious change from the material to the spiritual. Then why should, of course, uh, I'm, I'm not going to initiate people who are watching TV. If, if you're watching TV and regularly, uh, you're, then you, uh, you're up for initiation, then uh, just let me know. And we'll take your name off the list. But uh, why should I 
initiate people who are not hearing. It might seem like a mutual cheating process. That I I play my role as the Iskon guru. You come around and give some ashivadam, and they give some dakshina, and then temple president says, "Yes, we've been making so many devotees," and like this, like an institutional guru. You have a role to play to keep the the institution rolling along. Some people feel that, well, you know, they just want to have a guru. They're not, not really too serious to understand what it means to have a guru. But anyway, you know, everyone has to have a guru. If you don't have a guru, then you're, you're not really up to the level. When you're, as long as you don't have a guru, then you're just uninitiated. But when you get a guru, that means, okay, you're on the way up. You're accepted. So... People may just have the, the vague feeling that I should have a guru without being very serious to surrender to a guru or the implications of what it means to have a guru. But even such persons may be benefited at some level by uh, engaging, in devo- engaging in devotional service at some level. And if such persons are not initiated, then uh, instead of instead of identifying themselves, even uh, without much, they if they become initiated, then they identify themselves with Srila Prabhupada's movement. Of course, they may not have much idea about what it is, but they have the general idea that so then they have to perform various services within that movement and follow the rules and regulations of that movement, which are very purifying rules and regulations, if one actually follows them. So if we don't initiate people, then they may go off and join some other movement, which will not benefit them in the same way. But uh, at the same time, we should understand that one who is eager to hear and understand Bhagavat Tattva Vijnanam, the science of topics of Krishna. Someone who's uh, eager to surrender their life, mind, body, and words in the service of Krishna. Such persons, they can be an actual disciple in the in the true sense of the term. And unless and until one comes to that point, then uh, one may be a disciple. But it's one one is a disciple to the extent that one is ready to accept the discipline. That's the very meaning of a disciple. It's not just a play on English words. That's also there in the original Sanskrit. We have shashan, anushashana. And Shisha, both coming from the same root. We sing every day Guru Moka Padma Vaka Chitete Koriya Aika Arna Korihomoneyasha. A disciple, a true disciple, just like we, we see how Srila Prabhupada was the true disciple of his Guru. 
He's one at heart with the Guru. He doesn't have a separate program or separate agenda. Otherwise the relationship is uh, it's not very satisfactory. We see that Srila Prabhupada he sometimes by trickery sometimes by providing various incentives he engaged his disciples in Krishna's service. Again Bhaktisthan Sarsar Thakur gave the example of Dalam rice, one very good quality rice. There was one landowner who wasn't, he wasn't able to keep servants. Servants would always be rotating, so it was very frustrating for the landowner because he had to train servants one after the other and they keep on leaving. He couldn't get any steady servants for one reason or another. So his uh, one friend of the landowner suggested that the landowner feed his servants with balam rice, first class rice, and ghee. Which that landowner started doing. And again the servants would leave then they'd come back after a short time because they never get such nice food anywhere else. And once they're accustomed to that, then to go back to that fat red rice that the villagers in Bengal eat, it's not so nice. So they'd come back and they'd say, well, actually you're a very good master and we like you very much. Actually they're coming for the rice and ghee. But they say, we're coming to serve you. In this way he was able to keep servants with him. So in the same Bhaktisthan Sarasvatthaka gave this example that sometimes a guru may offer his disciples material incentives. Okay, you take sannyas, you become a temple leader, or we'll give you this facility, that facility, but just to keep people engaged. So we shouldn't be that kind of disciple. There may be it may be required for some but one who is actually hearing then they can be an actual disciple without any material motive. And unless there are some real disciples then can't really be a guru. There's no one willing to accept the discipline, then what's the meaning to be in Guru? So, I'm not blaming anyone here, I'm just talking on a principle that we can all consider how we can better serve the mission of Srila Prabhupada and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And I'll finish there for today and continue this discussion tomorrow. And I won't take any questions now either. We'll just finish. So thank